So I am a pretty sentimental person. Uh, at least I've been told, but I also know that that is true. Uh, and the other day I was thinking about some of the most favorite moments that I've had in my life, just kind of everyday moments uh, that I've had. Uh, one of those is that I used to love those lazy summer uh, afternoons with my cousins in the pool at my grandparents' house. We would spend all summer swimming and just how wonderful it was to play and relax and have fun there. Uh, another is the uh, spending of hours around a too small kitchen table with family playing board games at the holidays, right? Like I just, that is such a wonderful time. I love that time. Uh, or maybe it's those times that I used to go to college football, ga- uh, college baseball games with my dad. We'd sit in the stands and we'd eat our uh, pack of peanut M&Ms and drink our Coke, and this was at Pete Taylor Park in uh, Hattiesburg watching Southern Miss play. I mean, it just great memories uh, there as well. Uh, and even now, I think back to those quiet Saturday mornings, and I know some of you are like, what is that? Uh, but those quiet Saturday mornings that come every once in a while, once, you know, get a cup of coffee uh, and get to play with my wife and kids and we have such a good time and just what, what a blessing those times feel like. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe there's a time that's kind of coming to mind uh, for you of a favorite moment uh, that you had. Uh, and I think that there's something that kind of goes with all those because there's chances are uh, that in each of those time, times that you're thinking about and each of those times that are described is that there was an aspect of peacefulness to them. You see, I think we long for peace in our lives. We're busy beyond compare, and it seems like everything's falling apart around us and in us, right? Uh, We so desperately long for peace, for stillness in our spirit. And I don't know about you, but maybe peace feels kind of far off uh, right now. But this morning, what I want us to talk about is this peace that's being offered to us right here and right now. So good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus of Gitwell Church. Glad that you've joined us, whether you're here in this room or you're joining us online, however and wherever. And if you're our guest today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. I hope you get something by being here. So today we are in our second week of our current message series uh, that we have titled, When Jesus Appears. And what we're doing is we're looking at these post-resurrection encounters of Jesus, those encounters that Jesus makes before he ascends into heaven. And so what we're looking at is kind of these beautiful interactions, the way that Jesus changes their lives whenever he appears in their lives. And friends, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert right now. He does the same to us. And so that's what we're talking about in this series of when Jesus appears in our lives. And today what I want us to see That as Jesus appears in our lives, he offers us a peace that is not based on our circumstances, but is instead based on a relationship with him. So if you've got a Bible that you uh, read from or a device that you read from, you can go ahead. We're going to be in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Uh, Second to last chapter of John. Uh, And where we pick up in the story this morning is the exact same day that the women have found the empty tomb, all right? So exact same day. So John chapter 20, and we're going to begin in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put, into, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. All right, so let's unpack this. Just three days earlier before this interaction, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were witnessing Jesus being arrested beaten, tried, and then nailed to a cross. He was dying a criminal's death, right? And so what do they do? They desert him. They, they, they run in fear of what was happening. I'm sure that there were thoughts of, well, if this is happening to Jesus, is this going to happen to us? And now here on this first day of a very new week, they find that Jesus's body is not in the grave. They find that he's gone. Mary Magdalene, she had seen the risen Jesus, but was it true? I mean, they're, they're starting to wonder, like, is she just so stricken with grief that she's seeing things? And can you imagine the fear that they felt? For three and a half years, they had a very public following of this guy, Jesus. Now to have their leader and their teacher dead, they probably felt like they had no purpose. I mean, how in the world were they supposed to have peace because of this? And so the disciples were afraid and they would do what any of us would do whenever we would find ourselves in that state. They go lock themselves in a room, right? I mean, y'all, we do it all the time. And it's in that locked room that the risen Jesus appears. He doesn't appear over in the corner. He's right in the middle of the gathering, right in the middle of the room, right amongst them. And he offers a greeting that changes everything for their lives. Peace be with you. Now, in that context of, of culture, this is such a usual, a normal, a very social norm kind of greeting, just as I've said to many of you down the hall, hey, you know, how you doing? But this time that Jesus is saying, peace be with you, it has a particular power to it now. You see, Jesus, think about the last time that maybe you wronged someone, all right? And you were going to see them for the first time after that uh, interaction. Uh, how did you feel? Maybe you were anxious, maybe skeptical, uneasy. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus gives us peace despite our fears. See, instead of being met with wrath because they, they had betrayed him, they're met with peace. Peace be with you. Part of the particular power that this greeting held was that it broke down that dividing wall that they had built up to keep Jesus out. See, it would have been really easy that, that those locked doors of that physical room were kind of like what the fear had done to them. They had locked Jesus out. 
They deserted him, yes, but now Jesus is meeting them with truth. It isn't based on their fears, but it's based on his love for them. See, Jesus had spoken about uh, peace many times before. Now he's reminding them of this promise that he had to bring peace to their lives. And so when Jesus, whenever he speaks those words, it drives away the fear uh, in their lives, drives away that fear of guilt. And by doing so, his peace, it begins to bring healing to their souls. Now we talked about, can you imagine the fear that they felt, but now can you imagine the, the immense joy the relief that the disciples must have felt. Maybe it was even an unbelief, right? Like, is this really happening? Oh, but it's the truth that Jesus is offering them peace despite their fears. So then he goes on and he shows them his hands. He shows them his side, all to show that he had conquered death. And so this shows another particular power of that greeting, peace be with you. So there's no longer this need of the consequence, this fear of the consequence of sin or the sting of death because Jesus is overcome. See, I think that the prophecy of by his wounds you are healed, they would have understood it and seen it for the first time. Talk about another overjoyous feeling, right? Of peace that would have just washed over their souls. See, what Jesus is saying is that this good news it's yours for the accepting. Jesus Christ had died the death that they deserved for their sin, that shortcoming of measuring up to God's way of living. But not only had he died for them, paying the price for their sin, he was also raised to new life that now that same life is available to them as well. So Jesus, by saying, peace be with you, it's an invitation to life and to so much more than what they had ever experienced before. Because of God's power, death and sin would be defeated forever. And friends, this is good news for us as well. See, the disciples, they were scared and afraid. They were in that locked room. And we are like that whenever we finally realize the gravity of our sin, right? We want to cower in the corner. We want to lock the door. But yet Jesus comes and in the midst of our mess, speaks these words to you and to me. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. How does he offer this new life? Well, what happened next in that room is that Jesus commissioned them. He commissioned them. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And by that, this message that they are to have is this message of peace that God has with others. And he gives them something that they've never had before. What does he do? He breathes the Holy Spirit. Just like God breathed breath of life into Adam, just as God had said in Ezekiel that to bring the, the dead bones to life, he breathes his spirit upon them that now they are able to have purpose. I want you to see this, is that where fear paralyzes, peace gives purpose. The peace that Jesus gives, gives us purpose. See, not only did the disciples have something to do, they now had the ability, the means by which to do that. Before they were paralyzed with fear, but now that Jesus has offered peace to them, they have the Holy Spirit who dwells them and gives them this supernatural ability to do what he's asking of them. And the same is true of us. 
When we repent of our sins, when we trust Jesus with our lives by faith, he promises to give us the Holy Spirit that enables us, that empowers us, that inspires us to carry out his mission here on earth. So whether you've been following Jesus for 50 plus years, or whether you're here today and you're seeking, you're questioning, you're wrestling with who is this Jesus guy, I want you to know this, is that like the disciples, Jesus loves to come right in, locked door and everything, into our lives and offer us peace despite whatever fears we might have. And it's all because of, his, because of our Father's love for us and because of his love for us too. Now the passage, it continues on. And we find this account of Thomas, who uh, must have had a whole bunch of nicknames. They must have really loved to, to name him nicknames. So Thomas, Didymus, whatever uh, his name is that you know him by. But for whatever reason, Thomas isn't there uh, whenever Jesus appears uh, that first time uh, in that locked room. And so uh, the others, they come and they tell him uh, what they've witnessed with their own two eyes. And Thomas, he doubts, right? Uh, he doubts that it's true. Had Jesus really been risen from the dead? I, I don't know. And he says this, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in their place and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, seeing just wasn't going to be enough for Thomas. He had to be able to touch it too, otherwise he wasn't going to buy it. Now, I just want you to imagine the scene, all right? The disciples, they've just seen the risen Jesus in their midst and they go and they find Thomas and they're like, you will never believe. Like, and they're just talking about how awesome of an experience it was that the door was locked and then he appeared in there with them and it was actual Jesus, like physical in the form. And not only did he, he commission us, but man, he breathed on us and something's different. Like, can you imagine just the excitement? And then here's Thomas. I don't know. I ain't buying it. Y'all a bunch of kooks, you know? Like, can you imagine just the, and y'all, this isn't just like a one-time for the rest of the week, their excitement is there, and yet Thomas doubts. Thomas doubts. Does that sound like some of us today? We're surrounded by sold-out Christians who we see just a fire and a passion and a conviction that seem great, and I kind of wish that I had that, and I don't know. I just, how can you be so certain? How can you be so sure? What I love is that Jesus enters into that locked room yet again. And he speaks the words, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas, who liked that locked room, <laughs> said, unless I, unless I see it and unless I touch it, I will not believe. Jesus turns to him. And can you imagine Thomas's eyes? <laughs> like the widest they probably had ever been. Like, oh, peace be with you. Thomas's heart fluttering with excitement. And Jesus invites Thomas to do the thing that he had questioned. The very thing that he had been doubting, that he had been wrestling with. And he says, come touch. Come feel. Come see. Feel what I've done. And the point is this, is that Jesus gives us peace despite our doubts. See, Thomas's doubt could have kept him from experiencing the peace of Jesus. But what did he do? Instead of just doubting and saying, I don't believe it, I, I will not believe unless I see, y'all, he continued to gather with the disciples anyway. He was there a week later in that room with them, still doubting, but yet still gathering to be with them. His doubts could have left him down a different path, but instead he continued to wrestle 
with those doubts. And there's this quote that I heard years ago from a national youth study that had been done, and it's, it's stuck with me since then. And what's funny is it was called Sticky Faith, so it's funny that it's stuck with me. But it's this. Doubt is not toxic to faith. Unexpressed doubt is. Doubt is not toxic to faith, but unexpressed doubt is. You see, I think that some people think that doubting is a sin. I feel like I grew up in kind of the era of the church where that was very true. It's like, oh, I don't know. Doubting's not a sin, y'all. The truth is, is that sometimes we have to doubt, we have to wrestle with that before we fully come to believe. And I came across this this week, and I just want you to listen and follow along with this logic, okay? If doubt leads to questions... Questions can begin to lead to answers. And if the answers are true and accepted, then doubt has done good work. It is when doubt becomes stubbornness, and stubbornness leads to a lifestyle that doubt harms faith. See, it's okay to be like Thomas. It's okay to to wrestle with your doubt, but here's the thing is that you can't let your doubt keep you there. You can't stay there. You've got to let your doubt deepen your faith as you continue to search for the answer. And Jesus, he invites Thomas, the doubter, to come and to to believe, to touch his wounds. He gives him the answer uh, that he was searching for. And then Jesus tells him what? Stop doubting and believe. Now, I don't know who it's for this morning but you've maybe been doubting and wrestling for quite a while and you're finding yourself in that stubbornness pattern, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Stop doubting and believe. Today's the day. My prayer is that for all of us, we would discover the peace that Jesus gives us despite our fears and our doubts and that we too will be like Thomas whenever that time comes and we will recognize him for who he is and what he is and say, my Lord and my God. Friends, he's faithful. That if we ask of him, he will provide. He will deliver. It may not be in our timing that we always want it to, but I promise if you wrestle with him, he will meet you in the midst of that locked room. Let's not pass up the last verse of, of, that, of this passage. Because for it, this is a blessing that we don't need to miss out on. He tells Thomas, because you have seen me, Jesus said, you have believed. Then he says this, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And we did a sermon series back over the summer going through the Beatitudes. And this is very much set up like a Beatitude for Matthew chapter 5. It's a blessing that Jesus has spoken over each and every single one of us. See, it's on the basis of the evidence of Scripture that we have. It's based on the proclamation of the church for thousands of years. It's based on true history that's been recorded. It's on the witness of the Spirit inside of us that we are to believe in Jesus. If you haven't had the chance to listen to Easter's message or last week's message that Jonathan gave, I encourage you to get back online. It's on our website. Listen to it. I promise you won't be disappointed. But what Jesus is telling us is that blessed are we when we believe, even though we haven't seen, even though we haven't touched with our own hands in Jesus, that he's raised from the dead and that this changes everything in our lives. Friends, there's a reward coming because of our faith. A reward coming because of our faith. 
So let's finish by talking about this peace that Jesus offers and how it's unlike anything else uh, in all of this world. And peace was a really big deal uh, to Jesus. He talked about it often. John records several instances of Jesus teaching about peace uh, as well. In particular, two verses I want us to look at, John 14, 27 and John 16, 33. Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Then he said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So what is this peace? Uh, John is using the Greek word arene. It's the Greek word arene where we get the verb ero from, which means to join or bind together that which has been broken, divided, or separated. So arene is, is where we get, it comes from uh, the root of that word is where we get our English word serene. Think about serene. It's a fun and something that we kind of long for, right? Uh, a calmness, if you will, a free of storms of disturbance. Uh, but arene, this Greek word for peace, it literally pictures the binding, the forming, the joining together of that which had been separated, disjointed, or maybe even a lack of harmony. I mean, it was not talking about just things, but people as well. It's a wholeness that this peace brings. And I think about our lives, and I think about how often we feel so separated and disjointed and broken. And yet what Jesus' peace that he's offering us, it brings us together. It makes us whole again that we would experience a sense of harmony, of well-being, of freedom from that inner turmoil that oftentimes we find in our lives. See, Jesus offers us peace that is unlike anything we can find in this entire world. It's a beautiful thing. This peace is a state of inner restfulness and quietness, even in and especially in adverse circumstances. It means that this peace is not a natural thing that we find in this world, but instead it's a supernatural thing that comes from God alone by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So here's what I want you to go home with, knowing is that the peace that Jesus gives us is not based on our circumstances, but it's based on our relationship with him. It's based on our relationship with him. If you want the kind of peace that endures, the kind of peace that is overcome, you will only find it in a relationship with Jesus. And this isn't some kind of passive acquaintance, all right? This is a living, breathing, active relationship with Jesus. And if, friends, if you're longing for more, if you don't know where to start, if you're going, Hunter, I, I love this idea, what do I do? Reach out to me, reach out to any of us here on staff. And I really do mean that. We want to have that conversation. We want to try to figure that out with you. We want to walk alongside you to help get you connected in that living, breathing, active relationship with Jesus. Because here's the thing is that Jesus longs for us to have that deep and abiding connection that's grounded in love and trust and understanding. Think about the relationships in our own life. The ones that are the most peaceful are those that are built upon that. And when we find ourselves connected with Jesus in that way, when we find ourselves as the, the branches connected to the vine, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
we can't help but to have this kind of peace that Jesus is talking about, despite whatever we find ourselves going through. It's not built upon us, but it's built upon the victory that Jesus has. And I think about the disciples, think about how that kind of peace changed their lives. See, he, he said, I'm going to let you know now, you're going to have trouble in this world. And whenever he said those words, they didn't quite understand yet that whenever he said, I have overcome the world, but yet now seeing him risen, they know for sure he has overcome. They would still experience trouble, but take heart, take heart. He offers peace that is unlike this world. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter what happens in the future, Jesus invites us to experience more of him to have a life of peace with him. And whenever I think about the disciples, I think about how that kind of peace, that understanding helped propel them forward into the rest of their lives here on earth. Many would give their lives for his cause, faithfulness to the end, to King Jesus, their Lord and their God. That no matter what, despite their fears, despite their doubts, despite their circumstances, they trusted in him and they lived out of the peace that he offers. Boldness in the face of adversity because they had something that the world could never offer. That's the peace of God. It's the peace of God. Jesus offers us that same peace to, to transcend our circumstances, our fears and our doubts. See, we can experience that same peace by trusting him and by going forward with his message, his good news of peace to this world that so desperately needs it. And so I want to invite you this morning to deepen that connection with Christ. And so in just a moment, we're going to have a song of response and we're going to sing. And uh, I love it when you sing, so I, I want to hear you sing. And I want you to pray at the same time. You can do both at the same time. It's actually possible. But you can pray in your seat. You can come up front and pray if you want to. But I have one very simple prayer that I want all of us to pray. And I do think, man, there's something powerful about kind of a unified heart of people. But it's this. Lord, help me to understand more of your peace today. So whether you have no idea who Jesus is, maybe you have no idea, you've never experienced his peace before today, but yet you're going, I don't know, I'm curious. Say, Lord, I want to understand more of your peace today. Maybe you're here today and maybe life has just gotten crazy. Maybe you used to be so close to the Lord. Maybe you remember that peace that you felt when you first gave your life to him. And yet right now it just seems so wild. Lord, I want to understand more of your peace today. He's faithful, friends. Let's, let's seek him and let's pray to him and let's ask him to help us understand more of his gift of peace today. So if you'll stand, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing together this morning. Father God, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the examples that we find in scripture that give us the truth, Lord, that we can stand upon. And Lord, we are grateful that you meet us. Just like the disciples in that locked room, how often we have hid from you. 
But yet, Lord, you meet us there and you offer us something that's so different than what the world offers. And Father, this morning, we do pray, Lord, help us to understand more of the gift of your peace. And Lord, I pray that this morning, before we even leave these doors, that our hearts would begin to settle. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit in here, Lord, our hearts would begin to settle. The chaos would begin to to draw to a close, Lord, in our lives that we would know that we are secure with you. Father, it is only in a relationship with you that we can say it is well. And so, Father, this morning we run to you asking you to do abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine because of the grace that you have for us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Amen.